Welcome back to the 16th Street Scanner. I'm AJ. That's Tyler. Tyler, how are we doing? I'm doing real good, man. It was a it was a pretty fun weekend watching this race live for for the first time in a minute. So yeah, it was it was a good race. We uh, we had the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Um, that's a mouthful, but uh, <laughs> yeah, last oval of the year. Scott Dixon does what Scott Dixon does, as as James Hinchcliffe said on the broadcast. Second win in a row, um, extending the points race into the second to the last race of the year out in Portland, which we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was an exciting race. I mean, what were some highlights for you, Tyler? What what, what did you enjoy most about this weekend? Um, watching Scott Dixon, see how long he can last, if he can last, uh, and then... Uh, low lights, Joseph Newgarden hitting the ball. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think that was it. You know, I was trying to see. There was a minute there. I was like, oh, Pato might be able to catch Scott, but it, that that that, that was kind of clear pretty early. Um, but for yeah. a brief moment, yeah, I, I at some point, I think it was like halfway through the race. I kind of was like, there's no hope for anyone else. <laughs> At this point, like <laughs> Scott Jackson was all by himself and you don't have that historical context. But like whenever that happens, it always works out <laughs> for Scott Dixon. It just always, always does. Um, was his 55th career win, which puts him well, he's still second alone all time. Um, but moving closer to AJ Foyt with, I think, 67 career wins is the all time record. So he's slowly but steadily making his way up there. I misspoke in the last episode. I said 53 wins. That did not include um, his, his one cart win. So um, coming into the weekend, he was at 54 career wins. Wanted to get that on the record. Um, But yeah, I mean, do you get it now? Like, do you get the Scott Dixon hype after seeing it two weeks in a row where he basically just pulls it out of his ass? You know, I guess I, I understand the, where it's coming from. I don't understand the physics of it. And in terms of like fuel saving, Mm -hmm. um, I need someone to explain that to me a little bit better or in a different way. Um, Just because like, I have no context (laughs) coming from a non oval (laughs) racing, you know, viewer. I mean, I think it's more, I, again, I'm not a mechanic as I've said many times on this show. Um, I think it's like a mechanical thing though. Like if you're not running, if you're off throttle, the engine isn't like running as like, there's not as many RPMs. Like it's not like, I mean, you know how an engine works, right? Like the piston goes yeah, down. Yeah. You, you know. not, yeah. Yeah. And if the engine is moving at a slower speed and like, isn't 
going through those rotations as fast. It's using less fuel, I think is basically how it works. I, I, I again, not, not, but it's got also factor in like what lines he's taking and like all this other stuff, doesn't it? Well, I mean, I think it, like at, where one on point the they, at one point in the, in the broadcast, I mean, they, they pulled up the telemetry and they were talking about the coast phase. And I think that's a big part of it is that like, He's letting off the gas way earlier and just letting the car coast longer than anyone else, but still somehow maintaining a competitive speed, which I think mm-hmm. goes to what you you just mentioned, like line and tire management and that kind of thing. That's what makes Scott Dixon so good is not that he can like coast more than anyone else. It's that he can coast more than anyone else and still like be spot on with his line hitting his marks um not letting anyone buy using the draft to his advantage that kind of stuff um and i don't know i feel like i'm kind of torn because i feel like it was so obvious that this was the right strategy <laughs> to take <laughs> like i can't remember what lap it was but it was everyone else needed to make two stops and scott dixon was leading and still only needed and only needed to make one more stop and i was like everyone just gave this away to scott dixon they just handed it to him and part of me is like well everyone was reacting to everyone else like maybe they were just obscured by that they didn't think anyone else could do it but then part of me is like well if these guys are bailing with like 50 laps left Maybe they tried before like a, they could potentially make it in one stop. Maybe they were trying to hit the number they needed to hit the fuel number and mm-hmm. it they weren't doing it. <laughs> and so yeah, they just like gave up they, that early. So it, it, I'm torn competitive. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't like actually racing enough. each other versus Scott Dixon, who was kind of just out front. <laughs> yeah, he was. He really just ran his own race like that. There's no other way to describe it. He just did what he needed to do and ignored everyone else. And like he's done so many times before. It worked out, but I, I just feel like I again, I'm torn between like everyone else just wasn't. Like, was everyone too is everyone else too stupid to realize or is Scott Dixon that much better than everyone else that he's the only one who can feasibly do it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Probably. Like someone, someone should have tried the same strategy because everyone else is on a four stop. He's on a three stop, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, especially out? like Marcus Erickson and Kyle Kirkwood, the guys that stopped after Dixon, like that's the thing that blows my mind is that those guys couldn't even do it. And they gave up yeah. way earlier than you would think they should have if they had five laps in hand on Scott Dixon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, <laughs> especially as someone who yeah. just doesn't know. Um, but I, yeah, I, I guess that strategy would have been three stop. But like, they've been here before, right? So like, why, where, I, I think, what is, and- is it a lack of data? Is it a... <laughs> No, I mean, we'll get into this. I think the tires did play a factor, the alternate tires. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, th- I think it's just like no one thought they could do it and still run competitive times because, I mean, the tire wear is so much more significant. I mean, adding 20 laps, like you had to go 65 laps or whatever they said to make it work 
on the three stop. Mm. Um, that in comparison to 45 laps, like that's, you know, it's a significant increase. That's 20 more laps. That's half a stint more on your tires, more wear. Like that's going to yeah. have a significant impact on your lap time too. In addition to having to save fuel the entire time. So I don't know. It just, yeah, it, it just blows my mind that no one else even tried it. Yeah. that And if they did, or if they were trying to try it and not hitting their mark, they didn't cue us into any radio that said that. <laughs> right. So that's all I can really go off right now. I, I will say it's exciting that it is exciting. that Scott Dixon won again. I, you look back three or weeks ago or four weeks ago. I was like, I don't think Scott Dixon gets a win this season. <laughs> That's here, like here a direct quote also. Yeah, <laughs> I think you said those words specifically. Yes. And here we are. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Wear my lumps. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's exciting to have someone at least trying to make the championship competitive. Because, I mean, I. I don't know if you feel like he has a realistic shot at it. He probably doesn't. But I think I'm going to try and convince myself he does just to help make these weekends a little more interesting. I'm kind of can I'm kind of convinced he does. He at least has a shot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um like mathematically it's still possible. Mm-hmm. He's getting hot at the right time. Yeah. Um you know, maybe it maybe it happens and honestly I would love I think a lot of people, not just me, would love for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, you and Zach Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're in the me same boat for once. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see Polo go through all this drama and let's talk about jumping to F1. Yeah. Um, and then to not even win the championship would be pretty hilarious. So. Yeah. I'm excited for that if that happens. And I'm always going to believe in that opportunity until it's mathematically proven wrong, <laughs> which I don't think it will be until the end race now. So that's that's the exciting part. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I just hope it can go to, to Laguna Seca. I mean, basically what needs to happen in Portland is that Scott Dixon needs to win and Alex Pillow needs to finish like sixth or seventh or worse. And then which is possible. Yeah. Cause I mean if if after Portland next weekend, if Polo is 54 points ahead, I guess it would depend on if Scott Dixon wins or not, I think, because I think the tiebreaker is number of wins. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but let's say 55 points. If Polo's 55 points ahead coming out of Portland, then it's over. So, I mean, it's a pretty small window. And even if, like, even if he does extend, I mean, you would he. There's a good chance Pillow would just need to start at Laguna, but mm-hmm. I mean, as we've seen so, already this year with Simon Paginot, it's not a guarantee. But so, what do you do if Chip Ganassi and both of your drivers are vying for the championship at this point? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess it, it's a question of whether or not you want. I guess you have to decide whether or not it's it's worth risking that second potential second place finish for Scott Dixon and locking out the top two in the championship because Joseph Newgarden, theoretically he's, he's mathematically out from, from, for the championship, but he could still 
get runner up, which is yeah not insignificant, especially because he's finished runner up in the championship every year for the last like four years since 2020. So, um, I mean, that would be a significant accomplishment for him. I'm sure he's gunning for that. I don't think he want, he would rather finish second than third. I mean, it's obviously not ideal, but so I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I would let them both go as hard as they want. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm obviously rooting Scott Dixon at this point, but uh, I'm not Chip Ganassi. I don't know. He has to. And the, that's the thing. I feel like this contract, this contract grossness, might eke its way into that decision uh, of like, you know, how do we play fair? Uh, that would be a worry for me. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just the thought well, in my head. The thing about IndyCar is that it's always just kind of been like you're your own guy. Like we're not, there's no team orders. I mean, I'm sure if like one guy has a chance and everyone else is out of it and they're like, if, if Scott, it's Scott Dixon and a team Bensky driver, like I think chip is going to do what he can to tell his other drivers to help Scott Dixon try and beat Joseph Newgardner, Will Power, whoever, by like mm-hmm. maybe taking more risks, trying to steal some points away or, you know, like yeah. letting Scott Dixon by, not holding them up on an outlap or whatever, you know. But generally, they're pretty hands off. And that's one of the things about IndyCar that I love is that it's just kind of, you know, it's pure racing. Everyone's just going out there and trying to run as fast as they can. And there's no mm-hmm. real... I mean, there's obviously some politics. <laughs> yeah, I hope it. that's true. But I, I mean, you think about like all of last year, Palo was getting sued by Chip Ganassi, like the entire second half of the year last year. And at the at the end of the year, he went out and he won by 30 seconds at Laguna Seca at WeatherTech. Yeah. So like, obviously, they weren't trying to like hold him back or sabotage his chances at winning races. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Hinch and Townsend and um, Lee Diffie were all saying uh, saying the similar thing uh, during the race uh, this weekend. They're like, you know, they've been able to put the rumors and or gossip or whatever you want to call it, the drama behind mm-hmm. them and focus at the race at hand. I'd argue, I'd argue this year. I don't know if that's exactly true because um, <laughs> I feel like the rumors have kind of come up later in the season and Plo's performance hasn't been there as much. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they certainly have experience with it. Yeah, I can't remember. Was that was that before the Gallagher that we found out that Pelot wasn't going to McLaren anymore? I can't remember. But I was yeah, just it, a wee lad back then, <laughs> <laughs> young and innocent to the whole. Yeah, that's not not important, but no, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I think Chip, I mean, that's his thing on Twitter is I like winners. I don't think he really cares as long as someone is winning. (laughs) So like (laughs) as long as they're not. Well, I mean, Chip Ganassi has clinched the championship. So. He, I feel like he probably doesn't care if Scott Dixon finishes it finishes second or third, you know what I mean? 
He's got mm-hmm. the championship in the bag. If Scott Dixon can give it a run, good for him. If not, Chip still has the championship. So I guess it's really up to him. It's his team, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I feel like it would be out of character for Scott Dixon to be like balls to the wall. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to win this championship. No, he doesn't seem like that. Honestly, he seems not like he seems motivated to win, but like also not crash a car in the process. Not yeah. Take certain risks. Yeah. Calculated yeah, like, maybe. Yeah. And like Scott Dixon wants to win, but he also doesn't want to make mistakes and fall further down the list, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how, how Portland goes. And then we're kind of fusing the two discussions into one, but I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. We're in a transition, you know, coming. It was a big, exciting weekend. So it was things have solidified for yeah. the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. A significant question mark is gone. And I think that allows us to focus in for sure. Which, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, overall, what did you think of the race? Was it exciting to you? Was it interesting? I thought it was a pretty good race. Um, it was it was, it was exciting. Mm-hmm. I found myself, like I said, with those camera angles of the stretch where I could see, you know, basically half the track mm-hmm. in one long shot. I really mm-hmm. liked that. Yeah. I liked the speed of it mm-hmm. all and being able. The, the one thing. If I have a major complaint, it's just like during the race, I was very confused in terms of like all the strategy talk from mm-hmm. the commentators. I think they and were I was confused. like, what? I was like, what's going on here? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're talking about all these hypotheticals and mm-hmm. it felt like it just got really uh, muddled at some point. And they're obviously they're reacting to what's happening. Um, yeah. And maybe it makes sense in their brains. Maybe it makes sense in your brain. But to a new fan, it felt like a little overwhelming where I'm like, man, all I know is Scott Dixon's leading this race. And that's all I have to focus on. Yeah. It'd be nice if they had some indicator of where their true true race leader was. Yeah. Uh, somewhere on on Scorebug. Well, yeah, it's called. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. I feel like it's hard to say. I mean, you can. And I think they said it several times, like, you know, New Garden is the effective race leader right now once everyone makes the same amount of pit stops kind of thing. Um, yeah, they did. Yeah. But it, it and speaking of the hypotheticals, like, it, it's hard to definitively say, like, New Garden is the effective leader because if a yellow were to come out, he wouldn't be. You know what I mean? Because... yeah. If yellow comes out, everyone else is a lap down. Scott Dixon gets to pit on the lead lap. And once he pits, because it's under yellow, no one else makes up a lap on him. You know, everyone else gets the wave around or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I guess they make up the lap, but they they don't make up any positions. And so Scott Dixon, even though New Garden was the effective leader going into that yellow flag in that caution period scott dixon is now your leader because he was able to pit under yellow didn't lose a lap and comes out in front and so then 
That's <laughs> Paul Tracy for better or worse coined the danger zone, which they, I feel like they've stopped using that. They use it here and there, but like, that's what he was referring to is when like you stop or ever someone else stops. And then it, it works a little different between an oval and a road course, just because the lap time is so significantly different that like on a road course, if someone else stops and the yellow comes out, then you're going to cycle back to behind everyone. Like it's, it's almost opposite. I know I'm not saying this very eloquently, but and probably confusing you even more. Yes. But I guess just <laughs> to really simplify it on an oval, you want to pit as late as possible. And on a road course, you want to pit as early as possible. And the danger zone is when someone has either stopped earlier than you on a road course and on an oval, it's stopped later than you. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah so you want to understand that. You want to avoid the danger zone if you can. And that's why everyone was stopping and like reacting to everyone else. Because then you also have like the overcut and undercut and all that. Just to even complicate it more. But I don't know. Yeah. It, but, it is confusing. But, I, I totally agree. It, it's just hard to it's hard to communicate clearly and succinctly without having that like context and extensive background to, to know how it plays out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm still more confused. Yeah. I'm still sitting here a little confused. I'd have to go back and rewatch the race and kind of dissect what they're saying. Uh Because at the end of the day, I feel like I understood the strategies that were occurring. Yeah. But in the moment when they were reacting, I remember being like, what the hell is like, what's, what are the words coming out? What do they mean? Uh, well, I feel like that yellow know. for Takuma Sato just yeah. like confused everyone because it came out at the worst possible time because it was like Scott Dixon needed to go nine more laps, but now he's going to have to pit after five more laps. And they were like, can't, you know, but then everyone else stopped and I don't know. It was just, it was like a worst case scenario, I think, in terms of them being able to communicate it clearly. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I guess one thing that would have really helped to understand is just like the talk about alternate tires. Cause they, mm-hmm. you know, IndyCar put out a little blurb about it. I didn't read it. I just saw it. I was like, oh, they mentioned it. Good. Um, and I didn't watch qualifying. So I don't know mm-hmm. if it was mentioned there, um, but like in terms of strategy, that would have been something. I guess it didn't impact the race yeah. as much as I would have thought, so it didn't warrant a conversation, but <laughs> it still felt like something I'm used to hearing, at least on a road course. And now mm-hmm. I'm not, even though it's an option. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. I agree. I don't really feel like it added much. I think. I think they need to make the difference bigger between the two tires if they want to try it again. But yeah, I, f- I feel like it kind of did just. Complicate things that didn't really need to be complicated. You well, know? Do you know if they were using the same like were this were these alternates the same? alternates that they're using on a road course in terms of compound 
Um, I mean, that's a difficult question because technically, I mean, yes, they're like softer. They're they're the the peak grip is higher, but the overall tire length is shorter for the alternates, like any mm-hmm. road course they go to. Really, they don't bring the same compound to any of the tracks. I mean, they might like one or two, but Firestone has specific compounds that they make for every single track. And so like the hard tire at the Indianapolis 500 is different than the hard tire or, well, I guess I shouldn't say the Indy 500. So like the hard tire at Long Beach is different than the hard tire at the GMR Grand Prix. This is mind blowing. So like, you know how in Formula One they I don't know if they still do that anymore. I haven't watched an F one race. They show they long. show like the scale. Yeah. So they know? have like one through five, yeah. right? Yeah. And like for whatever weekend, let's say the the Dutch Grand Prix, like they bring one through three, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the absolute softest and the second softest and the middle tire or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I guess I shouldn't have done that because that's three, but, but like essentially what IndyCar does is like, they have the, like, they just move the scale. You know what I mean? It's like the same thing. So like, Oh, it's the same tire thing. It's not as Dutch Grand Prix is the, like the super soft or whatever. Yeah. But then like, if you go to the Italian Grand Prix and they're bringing like the three, four, five tire where five is the hardest, you know? And yeah, so three is the car is doing the same thing, kind of, but they only have this the the alternate in the primary, and so like the hard compound, it's only really in relation to the other tire. So the primary is a harder compound than the alternate, and the alternate is a softer compound than the primary. That's really all it means. So, like, it's not the exact same chemical makeup of the tire. Firestone goes in and like does a bunch of testing and research to determine what compounds like actual makeup will provide the best racing and you know, what the difference will be between the two tires. Like it's, it's not like it's just one tire that you like pull off the shelf. Yes. Which uh, again, needlessly complicates this for you, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm just trying to, so they make a specific tire for I said that weird a specific, specific tire for the specific <laughs> for the specific track, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not a scale. It's here's the Laguna Seca primary Laguna Seca alternate. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now the Laguna Seca primary might be similar to the Long Beach primary. But not hundred percent. Yes, it, I mean it. Also, could be it could be the exact same tire, but it isn't necessarily the exact same tire. Okay, it's not the. It's not a scale then. No, it's it's not okay. like it's not like there's just and I don't know. I mean, Formula One might work the exact same way. Pirelli might not just have like these are the tires and these are your options. Yeah, like they say that, but it might not necessarily but maybe they be have. like the super soft at. Zandvoort is the exact same super soft as Monza. Well, that's interesting 
just because like i didn't know i didn't know that and it's yeah. like there's a whole you know i imagine like michelin man is out there for nascar or whatever just <laughs> running around the track seeing what works yeah um, <laughs> no and i mean that's that's why they have tire tests at all the different tracks is because firestone actually uses that data and they build specific tires for specific tracks but like it doesn't really matter if the the alternate at saint pete is harder or softer than the alternate at barber you know yeah it doesn't really matter for when you're watching the race like all that matters is its relation to the other tire so Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of like in the weeds information you know it was something that came up in my head though (laughs) because i was wondering like well, are they going to go like, you know, like, are they going to go like 10 laps on this alternate or are they going to go like 40? Because there's 260 laps in this. Yeah. Freaking race. Yeah. <laughs> and if they're going to do 10, then those have to be some really fast laps uh, <laughs> yeah. to make it worth it. No, I, I feel so... like the, the, the softs, like the alternates this week probably had to be like the hards at like pretty much every like the primaries at every other <laughs> road yeah. course you know what i mean <laughs> but yeah yeah it's it's uh i don't know or, yeah that's interesting that you were thinking about that though i like i wouldn't have thought about that unless i i like i've just kind of absorbed that information through the years i just you know i don't think i would have thought yeah. about that on my own well i thought I about the scale with f1 else. and i was like where is the supply? What is this? What's going mm-hmm. on? You know, yeah. I feel like there wasn't enough conversation, especially now that they're introducing it to, to ovals. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there wasn't. I didn't catch it. That could have totally been it. Yeah, but it, it wasn't during the normal broadcast. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear anything about it. I didn't. I didn't get a chance. I was camping. I had no internet or cell reception, <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't get to see qualifying either i i kind of absorbed everything i had a brief period of time where i was in town on saturday and i got to see some of the updates including the did you see the garbage can i getting blown through there's some big storm came through on saturday and there's a garbage can like rolling through the garages just getting pushed by the wind and the rain but nice yeah i like erickson and power they're wreck and practice i saw that on sunday <laughs> so yeah i didn't i, <laughs> I didn't see that see actually yeah so i don't know if they explained yeah. it on saturday or sunday morning during qualifying or what but um yeah i don't know is there is there any well, way they could have made it more for you made it more impactful or um had more of an effect on on the race i guess is there something that you had in mind um that is a tough question i feel like i would have liked for someone to use alternates more than other people yeah and then to see where they're playing where where that strategy plays out you know yeah that's that's all i can think of uh well yeah that so that i don't know if that existed or not either (laughs) like i don't don't think so yeah yeah it seemed like everyone started out. I mean, it probably didn't help that they had such limited practice time with yeah. the rain and stuff. Um, I feel like 
the only way as as you say that what came to my mind is that the difference needs to be bigger. significant yeah yeah so like, like it the reds need to be so much faster than the primaries that it makes it almost worth it to stop one more time i think that's mm-hmm. or two more times or however you know like whatever the fall off needs to be on those tires and in an endurance race, not that this is an endurance race, but like in a longer race, uh-huh. you know, they need to like that. The amount of time they have to cover is even more. Yeah. Like the, they have to be that much faster. So I feel like it's it lends itself to being a primary based. Yeah. Race anyway. So I don't like that's why the alternates just sort of became irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, the gap definitely wasn't wide enough. And yeah. like, yeah, I, I feel like the Reds weren't really noticeably faster and just fell off way quicker. Which, yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to say like it was... I, I like that they tried something, you know? Yeah, oh, for sure. Like, I, I think it was worth a shot. Um, that said, I would also be fine if they didn't try and do it again. <laughs> you know, like I don't feel like this added a huge unique angle that made this like a must watch race or any more interesting than any of the other ovals this year. Um but I do think it could add something potentially if if they work on it a little bit, if they, you know, workshop it. Yeah, there's little things they can tweak. And this is one of those like rules or strategies or whatever you want to call it that I think like it still keeps the purity of the racing there. Yeah. Uh, there's other rules they could tweak that would make me a little more worried. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Cause it's still like a choice you make, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's something that you have an influence over and, and whether or not you make the right decision can make or break your race. And that's ultimately what I want. Like, Stuff like DRS in F1, like DRS sucks in comparison yes. to push to pass. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like that, I, that's just bottom line factual. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, you you have a choice of when to use your, your push to pass, and that's what makes it so much better than DRS mm-hmm. is because DRS, it's you know, there's no defense, it's just you get it and. You can use it at this point, you know. You know what it. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm then not they're trying they're trying to, to play. Or, they're trying to play around with the rules of DRS in F1 because they know it. Like it sucks. They know that it sucks. I think, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, let's change this, change that." Yeah, you need to abandon it and accept <laughs> this superior tool. <laughs> yeah. So, well, again, one more thing that F1 is going to copy from IndyCar. Just another thing. Probably it would make for a better deal. product. So it absolutely would. And that's because IndyCar is the better product. It is one of my favorite stats when it comes up. I'm not going to lie. When they show how much time people have on push pass. Yeah. Because it's just like there's there's it's not just like you just press it and just, you know, hit the knots. It's like <laughs> <laughs> there, there's so much uh, like there's so many other things they have to consider. Yeah. Uh, well, and I guess that's. You know, that's part of F1's problem is refueling and stuff like that. So, 
Oh yeah, there's so much, there's so few choices you can make during the actual race in F1 to actually influence the outcome, which is what frustrates me. And what frustrates me about some of these F1 people who like, whenever there's talk about, oh, should we bring back refueling? They all are like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know, like, yeah, all high and mighty about having to refuel the car. It's just, yeah. I don't know. Like, do you want it to be interesting? Like, why not add another variable? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think if people are looking at themselves right now and wondering what what's going on in their sport, uh, then they have they have issues. Uh, <laughs> they've accepted a subpar product because, yeah, you know, there's yeah. there's other. It, it is a very well marketed thing. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't but know. I don't want to talk about F1. Speaking <laughs> yeah, well speaking of F1, we could we could talk about a guy who's trying to make it to F1, Alex Blow. Yes, that's good. um that's a pro <laughs> transition, Tyler. That, that was top notch. <laughs> well, if he wants to get used to DRS, uh I guess he shouldn't be hitting push to pass as much. I don't know. Uh he <laughs> should defense. be in <laughs> defense. Yeah, he can't in defense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he should just get used to it. Get used to just, I don't know, trying to get by. My point is, I don't think he needs to be as aggressive as, like, he doesn't need to be going for the win, right? No, not at all. Well, I should say that if he's going to be driving for Williams, he should get used to not not (laughs) using it on the offensive either because he's not going to be within a second of anyone. But... No, yeah. no, he definitely doesn't need to be pushing too hard these next couple of weeks. I mean, I do wonder, though, like, and I feel like in other sports, this gets brought up too, especially in terms of NFL teams and stuff, resting starters weeks, I guess they're, are they yeah. 18 weeks now, 17, whatever. In the last week of the year. Oh, NFL? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. 18? Like you, you lose your your competitive edge when you try and throttle back, you know. And I, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's really anything to that, but sometimes I wonder if, like, trying to be defensive ultimately gets you out of your your process and and your your um, routine enough that it ultimately leads to worse results and. I don't know. Like, would you rather feel, have, have gone for it and lost than just tried to play defense and lost anyway? You know, my favorite drivers, the way I'll answer this is my favorite drivers are the guys who go out to win every week. Yeah. No matter like what. I yeah. think that's like the most hardcore thing you can say. Um, and hopefully, like, hopefully that's true. Hopefully you are trying to win. Um, yeah. I think there is something to be said about losing your competitive edge by being a little too defensive. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, like what we just said, Scott Dixon, he's like this seemingly perfect blend of like knowing risk assessment. Yeah. In these races. Yeah. So it's a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, a, it's a difference between, necessary and unnecessary risk i tell yeah i get what you're saying but yeah, yeah i hope i hope he goes out there to win i mean yeah me too i, I honestly have not been paying attention to his post-race interviews if they're interviewing him <laughs> uh, <laughs> i did think I, it was interesting that they opened the broadcast with 
him talking to Pato Award. I was very that was yeah. um, I feel like that was a very specific choice. I was <laughs> I I was interested in what he was actually saying and what they were actually talking about and didn't did not get that information, but yeah, yeah, I, I didn't either, but it's uh like his I'm not going to be watching him the next two races unless well, I, I will watching him, but it's like for that is he in 7th is he in 8th? Where's he like ideally yeah. he's down there for, for me. If well, not, it also which, matters um, about where Scott did, like it also matters yeah, where Scott, Scott Dixon is. is because if he's running 12th it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> you the, know this race I was watching New Garden. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I was watching New Garden most most of the time early on. Oh um, yeah, and I'm and where Alex Bolel was, and then New Garden hit the wall, and I was like, okay, <laughs> where do we go from here? <laughs> um, and Scott Dixon appeared, so yeah, which was like this glimmering hope of still a, a championship fight. So yeah, well, the, the thing for Polo and kind of going back to what we were just talking about is like he's going back to his strengths. Like he, he hasn't been good on the short ovals. Uh, I mean, not just this year, but like over the course of his career, like that's been kind of where he's, his performance hasn't been as good as it has been elsewhere. Um, So I think he, it does allow him to be, to be a little more aggressive knowing and, and confident knowing that, you know, these, these are the tracks that he's going to be the guy to beat. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it does make me wonder if like, do you think he's in, I guess this is predicated on him staying with Ganassi and staying in IndyCar next year. But do you think he ever is Alex Pillow is ever a threat to win on ovals outside of the Indy 500? Has he ever won there before on a short oval? No. Mm-mm. I think then, if he doesn't, if he doesn't go to F1, this should be a big goal for him because yeah. it's clearly not going anywhere. If anything, they're just adding more ovals, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And um, so he needs to learn how to race on an oval. If he was good on short ovals, he would not be in a situation where people are like, like this is a clear skill that he lacks. And yeah. I'm not not saying that he lacks, but it's just not like top tier, mm-hmm. you know, because he still has like top 10 finishes. Yeah, I mean, he did. He did finish third at Texas this year, which to give him some credit and third at Iowa at Iowa, the second Iowa race. But um, I guess Indy's kind of I well, I did. I did clarify outside of the Indy 500. But um, yeah, like I part of me feels like in a Ganassi car, you're kind of just guaranteed to even if you don't quite have it on an oval as a driver, like you're still going to have a good car and that goes a long way. But yeah, it's interesting that at no point, even Texas, I mean, I guess he was up there a little bit, um, but it never felt like he had a shot against new garden and Pato, you know? Yeah. And I do wonder if long-term, especially like you said, if they do add more ovals, if, this will shift things back towards Pato and in New Garden and Dixon and the, the guys who have proven themselves on ovals, you know? Yeah, if there's more points to be won on an oval instead yeah. of doing, you know, GMR twice, 
uh or whatever <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah then then uh then I, I think there's definitely definitely more opportunity for those guys who are good on short ovals yeah well and the other thing too and and i guess this is a good transition into into talking about joseph newgarden which we definitely we need to talk about him because hopes were story of the weekend yeah Yeah. for sure um but like new garden and Pato and and scott dixon and colton herda and whoever like they are competitive on ovals and i guess maybe colton herda not necessarily is competitive on ovals or hasn't proven himself to be competitive on ovals but like they also are good on road and street courses and it, it got me thinking about joseph new garden and like this you know Obviously, he won four out of the five ovals this year. And coming into this weekend, he was the guy. And he was in good shape to do it if Scott Dixon hadn't done what he did. But Joseph Newgarden has 29 career wins. If you were to guess, just based on what you have heard about Joseph Newgarden, what do you think that spread would be between, like, percentage-wise, between ovals and road street courses his number of wins this might be well i'm definitely at a. will say this i'm at a disadvantage because i don't know the history of the tracks um throughout the years like you know what tracks they've raced at but i don't need that information because i'm gonna no. guess well and before you guess it, i should specify that it, it has been kind of this current ratio over the last okay. essentially joseph newgarden's career since like 2012 it's been a pretty similar there. It, there's been like four or five or six ovals a year, essentially. Okay. 19 ovals. You think 19 win. ovals and then 10 yeah. road and street? Yeah. Would be your guess. All right. Well, he's won 15 ovals and 14 road and street courses. Okay. So it's than I thought pretty much even. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of his, like his first two wins were Barber in Toronto. And he won again. Those were, he won at Iowa, and then he won again at Barber in Toronto. Like, those were his, four out of his five first wins were. Were not ovals. Yeah. (laughs) But maybe he's sort of curved towards oval wins later in his career. Well, I think part of it is that we have so many short ovals now because I mean, he's won at gateway four times and he's won at Iowa five times. I'm sorry, six times. So there's 11 of your 15 right there. Then you have Indy Texas three times and then Phoenix Mm -hmm. once. So (laughs) like if you take away gateway in Iowa, it's not like he's a dominant oval force, you know? And yeah. going back to my point about Alex Pillow, like if, if you take or if you add more of his weakness and everyone if, else if kind take... of has an advantage over him, then you, he loses mm-hmm. a lot of the advantage he has by, you know, the schedule being kind of, tipped towards these road and street courses. And I, I feel like long-term that's not good for him. No, that's fair. 
yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of of both of those guys. Yeah. And if you took if you Frankensteined Joseph Newgarden, Alex Pillow, and created Joseph Pillow, you would be have the best perfect... driver of all time. Yes. <laughs> His name would be Scott Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a very good point. That's something to think about. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how these guys age. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, like a fine wine or like some bad grape juice. We'll find out. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I mean, it's, is well, it was only 26. So, I mean, he's got a lot of runway. It, it feels like he's older than that, but it yeah, also he's... feels like he's not going to be in the sport that long. Um, personally, yeah, I feel like he's burning bridges or he's just uninterested. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I'm not getting a sense. Like, I wouldn't buy his jersey, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that might not be the best investment. <laughs> no, might not get a lot, get a lot of life out of that one. It's like buying the, the guy who, like, if is a Cubs fan. If I bought like a, you know a Cody Bellinger jersey, it's at the beginning yeah, of the yeah. year. Like, <laughs> All probably the not the wisest decision. Yeah, the yeah. trade bait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just an interesting to, thing to think about. And, yeah, and, it's definitely interesting to think about because it's, it's not something that I was really considering. You know, it's something I think I knew in the back of my head. But Joseph Newgarden is a much more leveled, uh, maybe a much more leveled driver than I give him credit for. Granted, I've only watched this season. Yeah. So, well, the interesting thing is Will Power when he first came onto the scene, like he was the road and street course guy, and he was almost unbeatable. He, it was almost like Joseph Newgarden coming into an oval. It was like Will Power is the guy to beat on any road and street course because I mean, and he's proven it over the course of his career. He's won how many polls most all time. Like he, the guy can lay down a lap when he needs to. And almost all of his polls have come on road and street courses or a vast majority of them. And that was kind of the criticism early on. Cause he lost like three championships in a row to Dario Franchitti, like 20, 2009, 2010, 2011. All I'm pretty sure all came down to the last race. Granted, 2011 is a little different, but um, that was the Vegas Dan Weldon wreck. Um, oh. that didn't actually the race didn't actually count for points or anything. But um, like Will Power was kind of in position to, and well, then again, 2012 with Ryan Hunter Ray couldn't get a title because he just wasn't getting it done on ovals and um, he would build up these big leads based on the road and street courses. And then it would just slowly erode until whoever Dario or Ryan Hunter Ray eclipsed him. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Why is it that like these older drivers stick around for ovals much, much longer than they do road and street? What do you mean? Elio Castro Navas. Pagano probably. Takuma Sato. Okay, I get what you get what you're saying. I think There's it's because like this... 
there's a, a level just seeing a sorry yeah well i i think there's a level of experience there that especially a lot of the international drivers don't have when they come over to indycar that's the first exposure they have to ovals i mean a guy yeah, like marcus yeah. armstrong comes in this year has never run on an oval in his life probably like in, in europe there's i don't even know how many ovals there are probably like 20 and a lot of them are probably short tracks because they they have like a stock car series over there um but they're probably the only series that runs on the ovals and they're all like half mile or shorter you know so yeah it's just a different type of driving and i think i've mentioned this on here before but like travis pastrana tried to start running a nascar I think it was in trucks or Xfinity. I can't remember what exactly. Um, but he was talking about, and I'm pretty sure it was Travis Pastrana. Um, he was talking about how like it was frustrating for him driving on ovals because to go faster, you had to be more precise. And like on a road and street course or for his, uh, in his circumstances, like on a dirt bike, like you just throw it into the corner harder, you know, like you just break deeper. Yeah. It's like, it's like easier to figure out how to go faster. And like on mm. an oval where, especially like Andy, where you're flat out the entire time, like it, it really is down to the millisecond almost like when you are turning where you're hitting the apex, like it's, it's just all about precision. Um, and I think it takes a while. I, obviously, I don't know. <laughs> Personally, yeah. I've never been in a car. I've never driven an Indy car around Indianapolis Motor Speedway at 230 miles an hour. I don't know firsthand. But my impression is that it takes a while to build up that that knowledge and that skill and that understanding, I guess. I hope that answers your question. I think it does. It's just not the answer I wanted to hear. Because I want some of these. <laughs> I want, sorry. I want I want one of these random dudes to come over and just be like, yeah, I'll drive on that. Like, I would have loved for Romain Grosjean to come over here and then just, like, kill it somehow. But Well, I mean, some people do. Like, Nigel Mansell came over to IndyCar in 1993 after winning the F1 World Championship in in 92 and i mean he won the granted he came over and got a ride with the top team in indycar like he was in the best mm -hmm. car and back then there was a way bigger gap between like the top teams and and the rest of the field like there were teams running cars that were several years old like it was a bigger wider way wider spread um so he was at a significant advantage hopping into a newman haas um but like he came over, he won at New Hampshire, I think his first year, like some of the guys figured out right away. And I, I do think it's easier for road course, especially very, very talented drivers who have only had road course experience to figure out ovals than it is for like some of these guys who were like Ed Carpenter, for example, who grew up only racing ovals. Um, to adapt to 
road course racing because it is very, very different, you know. Um, but it's yeah. not unprecedented for someone to come over and figure it out right away and kind of show up the the oval guys. Well, I'm excited for the day it happens <laughs> when I'm a fan in my fandom. So, well, I mean, I like Joseph Newgarden didn't grow up running sprint cars and midgets around short tracks, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, he almost yeah, is true. an example. Like he went and raced in Europe. He was racing go-karts here before he went over to Europe. It's not like he, you know, like I said, he wasn't racing sprint cars and midgets. He was, he was in road cars and single seaters. So yeah, not the same still. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know, yeah, I know was... what you mean, but yeah i know we weren't planning on talking about that but it's no, just something no, it's i interesting think about um no. so back back to gateway yeah 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 um so we had a little interaction between little dave malukas uh and scotty mack yeah which i, I you know i didn't i i don't really i didn't catch this one uh quite as well so, uh, my reaction to it is kind of non non reactive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was a little optimistic on on little Dave's part. I think he he probably should have backed out. He like kind of dove in. So McLaughlin checked up coming out of one and two. I think it was behind Will Power actually, and then. Linus Lundquist and Malukas were behind McLaughlin. Lundquist was a lap down, so the pass wasn't for position. Um, but coming to three and four, Malukas and Lundquist went low. And I think McLaughlin was just trying to let Lundquist by. And Malukas kind of dove in late, and he never got all the way alongside. And granted, he didn't have a ton of room. Um, and I'll read a, a quote from a, a story following up this incident. Um, but they made contact and McLaughlin went up the track and saved it. But Malukas got the position and went on and finished on the podium. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think ultimately what I'm getting at is that I'm not a huge fan of Malukas. I've, I don't know what, I can't put my finger on it exactly, but I don't want to say like well, he, got, he seems he too the, big for his britches kind of thing, but that's kind of what I'm he saying. Got the, he had, got the result this weekend, you know? I thought he, that was very, very surprising, to be honest. So he did. I, I mean, he was good that. here last year. He was he was on the podium. I mean, this is only his second podium, and his other podium was also at Gateway last year. But <laughs> I don't know. Let he, me he let probably me read be. you the quote. Yeah. Well, sorry, what were yeah, you gonna let's say? Get into it. I was going to say he probably raced on this place growing up, right? Chicago. Well, he... <laughs> yeah, the Illinois Lewis. boy. This is his home race. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we, I didn't really think about that. I don't know. I think he raced in Europe too, didn't he? Uh, I yeah, know. I think he did. <laughs> anyway. So this is from racer.com. This is David Malcher Lopez. Um talked to Malukas after the race about, about the incident, um, which is also significant because there was a little bit of an oppressor before the race 
Malukas basically said, like, because we we briefly touched on it, there was some. They called him a fuckboy on Bus Boys. Oh yes, I saw. I did. Well, I did someone else called him a fuckboy. Is <laughs> someone random on the but, street? No, saw no, the picture. Joseph, no, Joseph Newgarden called him it. We'll see what I think happened is they, which was dumb on their part, I think, because I saw the guy who does their videos say it on Twitter that like the one person, the woman who said it first was like the second one in the video because I did go watch the video specifically for this part after all this. Oh, they edited it? Well, yeah, I mean, it was just like random clips and they should have put that first. And then the part where Joseph Newgarden is like, would you call that? Would you call him a fuck boy? They should have put that after. (laughs) Because then Probably. it would have been more clear that like yeah. he was saying it. He would have had the one other person, yeah, said it. Anyway, that's dumb high school drama. Whatever, I don't care. But anyway, <laughs> said in a presser, he said something about how he would, you know, because they called him a fuckboy on Bus Bros, that he would maybe try and give him a harder time on track because of it. And then this happens, which is not a good look, I have to say. Um, But yeah, so here, I'll read the quote from the the David Melcher Lopez racer.com story. So I followed the car in front on the inside, said Malukas. Obviously for position, he squeezed down. I was right on the curb. It's not like I washed up into him. It's more that he cut into me. We had a tap. I managed to save it. I guess he did as well. He came to me at the podium and said something about it. I don't know if he's like oppressed by it. I don't know. I think he got a beef from that. That is the most douchey quote I have ever like heard a, in my life. Well, it's just, I think I don't know if it's I don't know if it's intentionally douchey. I, I think it may be very Gen Z. Um, there's there's a difference between Gen <laughs> Z and douchey. I'm not I'm not trying to <laughs> to make those saying like I'm not trying to say the language the same he thing. used. Yeah. You're, I don't know if he's like oppressed by you're commenting it. on yeah. What does that even mean? Yeah. I don't know if David Malukas knows what that word means, but I don't think he does uh, either. Oh <laughs> um, I think he got a beef from that. Also not really correct usage of the word beef um <laughs> in terms about fight. That's how he meant it, right? Like, you like, we've got beef. Yeah. 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 I think he got a beef from that. Well, I don't weird. know. It's just weird. Like, There's just a lot of weird words coming out of his mouth there. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. It just, it just put like puts me off. Like, you have two podiums. And Scott McLaughlin <laughs> is. I mean, he's one of the best supercar drivers of all time. He's won races in IndyCar. And he's, I mean, he's only been around for one year longer than Malukas, and he's got multiple wins. I don't know. Yeah. I can see how this would frustrate you. Um, I guess since they're like, David was just lucky that he was competitive with those guys this weekend. And that's how I see it. Yeah. Um, And like, Act like I hate when people say this, but like act like you've been there before. <laughs> like yeah, you're not like, better than Scott McLaughlin. You're just not. I you know, I guess the way that I would want someone to handle that 
you know, mm-hmm. is not the way he handled it. It would be something like, yeah, you know, we had con- like we had contact. He should have done this. Maybe I should have done this. One, well, especially know, when from it. Sorry, not I'm I'm just a little fired up about this, but especially like, are, he yeah. didn't get all the way alongside. It wasn't his. It wasn't his. Yeah, he didn't have the line. It was a yeah. late dive. He it like he didn't even get halfway. He wasn't he wasn't to like the rear of his front tires or anything. It was like right front to left rear contact, which tells me you didn't have the pass made. You didn't. You should have no, backed no, out. Yeah. And the fact that they made contact, and I mean honestly, Scott McLaughlin helped Malukas out here by not wrecking because if McLaughlin doesn't save that, I think Malukas gets called for avoidable contact there because well, why, why didn't he get called for that already? I think because it like, it didn't ruin McLaughlin's race, which I'm fine with that. Well, I mean, he lost his spot, which, you know, I'm okay with that. Not being a penalty. If, you know, if they're generally not going to call that, I'm okay with that. But if McLaughlin ends up out of the race, I don't feel like that's a totally like that's not just like something you can chalk up to being a racing incident. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, like exactly. there's a clear person at fault in that situation. And for him to come out and say that after clearly being, in my opinion, the person responsible for the contact, like I get you're trying to make up positions. It's hard to pass. You got to take the opportunity when it presents itself, but you also have to be accountable for the consequences. Getting back I gotta to go my back most to- boomer trait <laughs> that we talked about last week, but yeah, I get. I got to go back and get a better look at this because uh, you know it's one of those one of those things where I'm, maybe I'm in shock of the new garden crash still, <laughs> um, and or just watching Scott Dixon because like. New Garden, that was like that broke my heart. Yeah, yeah that was a tough one to watch. So, like the rate, a lot of the race was like. Are you a closet Joseph New Garden fan? I don't think there's anything closeted about it. Um, I just <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm a fan of his, yes, but I'm also a fan of Ray Hall Waterman Lanigan. So yeah, you know. Okay. Uh, I just feel like kinda, you haven't really kinda, expressed that so far. Maybe to some well, degree, but not like that strongly. Part of me likes him like quite a bit, and part there's times where I'm like, man, that is frustrating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like he is kind of douchey, and Bus Bros is kind of douchey. Um, <laughs> so like, <laughs> but he's a good driver, and I, you know, I think there's part of him that's like very honest, uh, yeah. and endearing. I think he has those qualities as well. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a hard life. It's a hard. I have to reckon with both of those. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and it would have been pretty sweet to, saw, to see someone sweep the ovals. So it would have been very sweet. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I agree with your entire assessment of him. I like, I, I like him. I want to, you know, I want to root for Joseph Newgarden when he's one of the guys up for the win or the championship or whatever. Like he's a very likable guy despite being, yeah, kind of a, a dude, bro. A lunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah lunk is a great way yeah. to describe it yeah <laughs> beefcake yeah. but he means well he means well so yeah he does yeah 
yeah. yeah and um okay well yeah maybe i'll maybe this rivalry if you want to call it that will continue um somehow i imagine that dave won't be able to keep up so uh <laughs> hasn't shown it this year uh well the, the interesting thing is it seems like he's getting a lot of attention from the big teams and it seems like he's probably going to to andretti i think is what the implications are that'd be interesting um actually marshall pruitt in his latest silly season story mentioned that he might have been contacted by arrow mclaren which would be a shocker to me i would not i feel like that would there would be several better options but I, I feel like, I don't know, Felix is a better option. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's puzzling. Um, I'd have to take a closer look at his performance, I guess. But judging from my, like, judging from not, like, just my memory of the season, mm-hmm. I would not put him up there. I'd put him more in, like, the Meyer Shanks. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, no, I mean, he's... if he gets that spot, I hope he, I hope he earns it and he, he does perform. This was his fourth top 10 of the year. He's currently 16th in points. So it's not bad, but 16th in points is pretty bad. So, well, I mean, when you factor in the podium this week and then a fourth at Texas, he's still 16th in points. It's he had a tough yeah. stretch there. So, yeah, yeah. he's kind of, he's another... kind of picked it up the second half of the season, but there's, there's another, uh, another, you know, young driver who had, had some drama after the race. I, you know, um, Pato, Pato had some comments about, uh, the lapped, lapped cars. Uh, and <laughs> it's, it's honestly, it, it was kind of hard seeing him finish second again, but, uh, to Scott Dixon, like it is what it is. Um, yeah. Like, and he even said that he's like Scott Dixon, you know, yeah. uh, but what is he going to say when he beats Scott Dixon in a race like this? That's what I want to hear. See, that's the thing. Um, I don't think he could beat Scott Dixon in a race like this. I think he has. I, I think if he learns enough, how long has he been in any car? Three years now? Um, His rookie year was 20. Well, so he ran a handful of races in 2019. Okay. Um, But his first full-time season was 2020. Yeah. Well, hmm. I mean, if it has been that long, uh, maybe he doesn't have it in him. But I, I, there's something about him that makes me think that's not true. I um, mean, if it's a flat out, just run as fast as you can race, which is why yeah, I said in a race like this, I don't think he yeah. can beat Scott Dixon. I I think he he could he has the potential to be just as fast as Scott Dixon in a just a straight up straight up race. I do, I do think he could be just as good. Because Scott again, Scott yeah, Dixon he, isn't like if you need a guy to lay down a lap, he's not necessarily the guy I would pick. No, I think that's totally right. Uh <laughs> in and, and uh if you remember, Pato was really like I feel I feel like he was catching Dixon and then mm-hmm. uh well maybe not catching, but catching it up too. Yeah. Uh, um <laughs> uh and then, yeah, he did. He did have the lapped cars that I wouldn't say they blocked him, but uh, he just didn't have the wherewithal to get by them. Um, yeah, that felt. I mean, everyone was hard, having a hard time getting by anyone, lapped cars or not. 
you know yeah like i I don't feel like yeah i don't know that's it came across as a little whiny to me (laughs) i don't know a little bit a little bit (laughs) i'm just complaining about the the kids the dumb kids these youngins (laughs) just causing trouble for trouble's sake you think he gets better on ovals next year Oh yeah. I mean I like if if New Garden isn't like other than New Garden, I would think of Pato as the guy to beat on the ovals, right now at least. I mean, he was dominant at Texas. He was right there at Iowa for the most part. He won at Iowa last year. He does have a win at Texas too. I mean, he was fast at the five hundred. He clearly had speed here. So I mean, I think he's he's one of the better guys for sure on ovals. I, I think he's other than Newgarden, like I said, he's he's got it. He's got what it takes to beat anyone, head to head. Okay, well, I'll be looking for him. Um, <laughs> this year though, I you know, yeah, obviously, I don't think he's gonna win in the next two races. So, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about Portland here in a second. But I do one yeah. thing I do want to say and do want to bring up, um, Connor Daly who you have talked a lot of shit about. Yes, and I, I almost finished did. earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, he so we finished 16th driving the number 30 Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan car. Uh absolutely alpha your boy Christian Lungard. Wasn't I wouldn't say alpha like he, he, top finishing Ray Hall Letterman where was, Lannigan where car. Where this was weekend. Lungard? Like right he was right behind him at one point. He finished 17th. So yeah, exactly. he came into his house. He showed him who's boss. No, no prep. I, they were doing the seat fitting that week. He just uh, no, you know, super sub. He's that's what he's good at. He's, he's good at coming in, has coming like, into your house and showing you up, showing you like you said, boss. I want I want you to understand this. He has like 110 races or whatever now <laughs> in in car. And you just said earlier that experience matters a lot on these ovals. And Christian Lungard is not from here. He probably has limited oval experience. And Connor Daly has a massive amount. And he only beat him by one position. Well, he also that's beat Graham Rahal by multiple positions. Who has more experience well, that's a than both Rahal. of them? That's a Graham Rahal problem. <laughs> and really, it's a Rahal Letterman Lanigan problem. They have sucked on ovals all year. Well, uh, do you think Lungard finishes seventeenth if Jack Harvey's in that seat? I don't think so. I think, I think it's Lungard, Ray Hall, uh, and Jack Harvey twenty fourth, twenty fifth, twenty sixth. I think that's how it shakes. There might be, there might be something to that. I I'll think, give you that. Uh, I think Connor Daly hopped in that seat, took off, and then reached back and pulled Christian Lungard along with him. Just, I, I think there there might be something to that, but he didn't pull him that far. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Like he didn't well, yeah, pull yeah, him all the way up. Yeah, he, he pulled him. Yeah, <laughs> he pulled him, but essentially you know. from the back to three quarters of the way to the back. Yeah, <laughs> but the the important thing is he did that in one race in that car. Yeah, Connor Daly's in the in that seat all for all the ovals. Maybe they're setting it up differently each time and yeah. getting progressively better. Yeah. Who knows? No, it's uh, I still I think don't think he deserves a... the right. I mean, and, and like, well, yeah, I don't think he does necessarily either. But I mean, like, in all honesty, I, I was impressed by him this weekend. It was he qualified 12th or something. He was, you know, I think he outperformed the car this weekend, which says a lot. Yeah, and maybe I think so Christian too. Lungard did too, but 
you know. Well, I think it probably comes to setup and strategy, and I think he brings a wealth of experience. So yeah, He'd I mostly just wanted person. to make you. To... Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I could tell, <laughs> but like, listen, I'm 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 not a fan of like rooting against people, but well, certain people, but. Connor Daly is not one of those. He's just a sad story of like, it didn't work out. You know, yeah. it just didn't just stuff didn't come together in the right way. And yeah. your time is up kind of deal. That's what yeah. my mindset. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of all people, I know you said something very similar last week, but of all people that take Jack Harvey's ride, Connor <laughs> Daly doesn't totally feel like the most deserving person to do it, but Hey, it happened. Yeah. He did well. Yeah. It's a good swan song for him, I think. I think so. And and he'll find a spot like in in a team or something, maybe not in a seat. He'll at least have he's been he's been running in Nitro Cross with Dragon Reinbold. I would be shocked if if he doesn't find a full time ride, if he doesn't end up in one of their cars for the five hundred next year. So Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Still see him around. Yeah. Um Anything else gateway wise that you want to talk about? We've been kind of running all along here. We still need to get to some Portland stuff. Yeah. Uh, one quick uh, note about the broadcast. Mm-hmm. And I think this is specific to like short ovals. Uh, mm-hmm. I hate, I hate when they show when you're lapped down mm-hmm. and they don't show the time difference. They just show minus one. Um, I understand that in most other <laughs> places <laughs> mm-hmm. but like when it's literally like the race is happening and it just says minus one for the two guys fighting for the weed that mm-hmm. does not help me at all <laughs> like yeah no i understand that, is, that that it's a useless data point um and you just show me the time difference uh i'll, I'll do the math in my head or show me something else i don't know get creative well, well uh, i do I mean, I understand what you're saying. I do think it's important to note that they are a full lap down because that's like significant. Because yeah, they could be passing people on track and it not be for position. You know what I mean? So yeah, I get what you mean. They still need to. Oh. They need to have a way to show that, but then also what you're saying. I think yes, yeah, maybe include average lap time or yeah. race leader. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then you can back in and be like, oh, yeah. And listen to the commentators. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You no, know, yeah. that's interesting. So I'll, I'll, I've never really thought about that. I don't know. I thought about that because I was like, I don't know, just doing stuff with my, I was just like using my eyes more mm-hmm. to watch the race. I'm like, the real race is happening here and I don't know how far apart they are. Um, yeah. No, that's fair. I totally get that. Yeah. So I, I'd hate to end. Uh, you know the bomberito on that note, our bomberito review. So I'll, I'll I'll just say it was a good race. <laughs> it was. Uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, I'm looking forward to next year. It was a real sickos race. I think it was good strategy. Not not a ton of on track passing, but when there was some, it felt like important. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, overall a good race. Just need more ovals. Need yeah, keep them good at night. Keep too. the supply. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This one absolutely should be a night race. I totally, totally am with you. Kind of a bummer. I think Alex Rossi said in the during qualifying that he also wished it was a nice night race. So you're not alone. 
Yeah, it's way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we talk some silly season stuff? Let's do it. I have kept up with nothing. So we can do this very briefly because, like, like I said, we need to get to the, just a little bit of Portland. Portland discussion too before we sign off. But um, Tom Blomquist is in at Meyer Shank for Portland and Laguna Seca. Um, I wonder if that means that Linus Lundquist is already like signed with Chip Ganassi and Meyer Shank was like, we don't want you here. Like, why are we going to develop you for chip? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why should we give you more experience? Um, I also understand from the perspective that, like, it also gives their driver who they have signed for next year a chance to get in the car. But yeah, I don't know what you, what you think. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I would love to see more Longquist, especially since he'd get fastest lap, uh, last weekend. Um, like he's he's shown some real real highlights and I'm still sure. I'm still hot on him so I'm looking for him to be in IndyCar more, but yeah, if if he signed with Chip and they kind of know that or have a hint about that, then I'm totally with them. Like mm-hmm. give give the time to someone else. Yeah, especially their own driver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do you think that next year they should have a separate championship for the Scandinavian drivers? Absolutely. It's becoming it's a separate becoming division. A, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a class of its own. I think next yeah, season well, maybe, we need to keep track of that. We need to have our own separate Yeah, of the Scandinavian drivers. Yeah. In IndyCar, <laughs> here's your <laughs> championship. Yeah. I thought we can like mail them some uh I don't know, IKEA furniture. Uh if we'll send them a trophy that they have to assemble themselves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah okay well yeah we'll keep we'll, we'll i'll put that in the back of my mind we'll make sure to make that happen next year because we'll have what so there's blomquist uh lundquist lundquist rosenquist i who i'm assuming <laughs> all the quests ride erickson eric's lungard right those are the five yeah yeah okay That'll yeah, be a competitive nuts. championship. That might be more competitive than the actual championship. I think so. That'll be a good. Yeah, because all those guys are kind of in the same. I'd say they're all in the same sort of talent pool, maybe. Well, maybe I feel like it probably I, depends on where the like. Where Rosenquist ends up, if he stays in McLaren. I yeah. Like him and Erickson. I guess Lundquist will be at Ganassi. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, yeah. Yeah, it'll be. A it'll pretty... be that. That would be a. That would be a very even, mostly. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> championship. Yeah. Well, we should also add the the negative side of this is that Simon Pagano is out for the rest of the year. Is what that means, which I think is probably a good thing. I don't know if it's yeah really for him to run around in seventeenth and risk making his concussion worse and ruining his who long-term knows. health yeah who knows what's going on so, so let him be man yeah i will say I, i'm sad that he's not in there you know and yeah. it, who knows maybe he could have made a run at the championship uh, it's a real... he could have turned it on that second half of the year for you tyler he really could have done it <laughs> 
it's a real blow. We'll never know. We'll never know. But we'll never there's know. that possibility was there. You can <laughs> you can cling to that. Um, what could have been? Yeah, I just hope he. I hope he can come back next year. I think the paddock's better with him. I really do in the car. So, yeah, he was the first IndyCar driver that I like. Got very close to in the garage pass with the garage pass. Uh, oh right, yeah, and, the yeah, that's um, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, and gasoline alley <laughs> yeah. with the bronze badge. Yeah, yeah that's that's a good fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good sentimental. Memory. I got in his way on yeah. accident. Yeah, he was signing something <laughs> for a kid. Oh, <laughs> uh, too funny. Yeah. Well, other silly season news: Yuri Vips, Yuri. Yeah, I think it's Yuri Vips is also going to be in the car for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan um for Portland and in, in WeatherTech. Um the former Red Bull junior driver, he's Estonian, which fun fact he's not the first Estonian IndyCar driver I learned today via Twitter. Um Okay. He has been decently successful in the feeder series in Europe. Um he beat Marcus Armstrong and uh Formula four in 2017 um, finished fourth in F3 Europe in 2018, again, beating Marcus Armstrong and Alex Pillow, which is interesting. Um, finished fourth in 2019 in formula three. Um, but the main headline coming into this is that he got fired from Red Bull's junior program for using a racial slur <laughs> on a video game stream online. So uh, yeah, and I, I, I remember all when that, that happened. Grain of salt. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I do because I mean, like we have a little group chat. My, yeah, F one fans that I'm friends with, um, and one of them is major, major Red Bull fan. Uh, and I remember this news coming out. What was the so, reaction when it happened? Um, I mean, like these things happen like kind of frequently now. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. So it wasn't like. You know, Total burn them at the stakes. But like, I think at the time, like, cancel culture, whatever you want to call it, like, it was this. You know, this guy had no chance uh, yeah. of like or a, a second chance. You know, yeah. Um, and that being said, I, 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 you know, he's a he's a young man. I don't know if he's made any statements about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope he's learned from it. Then uh, I hope he's on a very short lease at Ray Hall Waterman Lanigan for these next two races. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Part of me wonders like as an Estonian, does like he understand the context of what he said? I feel like maybe I think... not. not to like give him the benefit of the doubt. Cause obviously it's a terrible thing that, yeah, at the best, that's the case. At the yeah. worst, uh, I feel like regardless of whether I, or not you know the context of it, you know it's not a problem. Yeah, thing to yeah, say. come on, yeah. Like this is not. I don't know. I'm trying not to bring my own biases in about certain parts of Europe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but yeah. yeah. Do Do you think it's a bad look for IndyCar to like? after all the Santino Ferrucci stuff um, with him essentially also being fired for being racist <laughs> and also <laughs> just generally an asshole. Do you think it's a bad look for IndyCar to be kind of 
the uh, well, like, the land of second chances for these guys. It's not a great look, but like there, like there needs to be a conversation. I'm not trying to get political, but there needs to be a conversation about like a pathway forward for for people who find themselves in these circumstances. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not saying this is it because this <laughs> kind of seems like nothing has been learned. Yeah. Um, you know, but maybe maybe there's more to come, and we'll figure out maybe there's statements or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like or. I would just like a little bit more context about this. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe that comes from David Lagerman himself. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I, I David Letterman is an expert at delivering bad news and turning public opinion in his favor. So maybe he he's is. the right like, guy to have yeah. have on your team if you're Yuri Vips. Yeah, if you're trying to figure out how to how to pitch this to someone uh yeah i think that's how you do it um, well and we know for a fact that if you ask david letterman about him he'll tell you exactly how old he is yeah apparently <laughs> that's all david letterman knows <laughs> well we've got a 19 year old we've got a 26 year old he's 23 <laughs> he's from Tallinn, estonia <laughs> and he's a great young driver a great young driver he said what <laughs> What did he do? Oh boy! <laughs> Whoops! All right, let's cut to commercial. Top ten slurs you shouldn't say on your Twitch stream. <laughs> oh boy! All nice. right, all right. I wasn't expecting. To... Yeah, let's talk Portland. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll we'll keep this brief too because we're running a little long here. But yeah, uh, anything you're looking forward to this weekend? Obviously, the championship. It's kind of hanging in the balance. So I'm looking forward to Scott Dixon. I'm yeah. rooting for Scott Dixon. I'm watching Scott Dixon. I'm hoping Pillow doesn't uh do well. Uh I'm I'm nervous that he will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of his wheelhouse. Yeah, it kind of is. That's all like uh, <laughs> I could yeah. see him performing well here. He he finished twelfth here last year. Granted, there was a lot going on last year in his world, especially with his team. So I don't know if that's the most accurate portrayal of of his abilities here or necessarily Chip Ganassi's is a team's abilities here. But yeah, I don't know. Do you think it should be his goal just to finish? Because like if he uh, finishes, if he finishes top 15 or whatever and Scott Dixon doesn't win, I mean, it's almost over at that point, you know? Yeah, I, he'll probably play it conservative and finish, uh, or try and try and do that. Um, but I think his goal should be to win. As I said before, yeah. I want drivers who want to win. Yeah, you know, like if Alex Blow comes out and just gets the dub, that's that's a statement right there. Yeah, so, and uh, I'll tip my cap to that. With if he authority. comes in, if he's like, yeah, if he coasts and he gets a fifteenth, what he un- or like whatever, you know, like. Mm-hmm. What an unexciting way to win. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I hope he goes out swinging if it doesn't. However, mm-hmm. things shake out. As long as he's like trying to win races and like you said, is going all out. That'll be respectable at least. I feel like Joseph Newgarden kind of got away with that when he won the title a couple of years ago. 
that last it at WeatherTech at Laguna Seca just felt like he was kind of just trying to coast in. And I think it ended up being closer than it probably should have been. So yeah, I'm sure that, that was a while ago. But, time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other question I want to ask you about Portland is um, whose race does Rena's VK ruin this year? <laughs> does he always crash at Portland? Well, it, we watched the highlights together. He, this is what he essentially just turned I mean, into Jimmy Johnson last year and took Jimmy Johnson out of the race. Yeah. Yeah. But like VK, to, to be fair to VK, he does that a decent amount. Uh, I didn't know if it was like every time he went at <laughs> Portland. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, whose race? Probably, maybe Polo. I'm maybe, trying to decide if it, I'm trying to decide if it would be funnier if it was Polo or Benjamin Peterson again, <laughs> which we didn't <laughs> touch on that from Gateway. But yeah, yeah. Either one yeah, that was. Funny. Yeah, I mean. I think it's almost a lock that that he ruins something uh, for someone. So, <laughs> it could be his own race. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we should do some predictions, and then we should we should call it a a, a show. Sounds good to me. Um, who are you liking? I've said it many times. I'll say it again. Scott Dixon. He's gonna get the win. That's what he needs to do. He's gonna go out there and do it. Uh, and then he's going to get his sunglasses and give a speech after. I I feel like suddenly you're the world's biggest Scott Dixon fan. Well, I'm just rooting for a championship fight here. You know? <laughs> I know, but it really feels like you, it's sincere that you actually. I am sincere. I want Wait, to... like you <laughs> actually like... believe that Scott Dixon can do anything it takes to to extend the championship this year. That's At what it feels point, like I'm to getting... me. I feel like he's gotten a little stroke of magic uh, and he's kept himself in it long enough, you know? Uh, that would be classic Scott Dixon. I think that was 2014. Um, th- that would be hook, line, and sinker for me as, as an in-car fan. Like, yeah. Locked in. Don't need F1 anymore. Better than anything you could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very cool if he somehow managed to pull it off. Sorry, that was 2015. It was him in, yeah. in uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, and it came down to the last race, and I think it ended on a tiebreaker. But um, crazy. Yeah, it came down to the last race, and it was, you know, Scott Dixon kind of came out of nowhere. Chased it. Juan Pablo Montoya won at St. Pete to open the season and had the points lead literally the entire season until, until the last race of the year. <laughs> and Scott Dixon won the <laughs> title. So. If anyone can do it, it's him. So what's it, what's your other prediction outside of the winner this week? I want a, a Felix Rosenquist podium. I like that pick. I don't know if I don't know if he's gotten one this year. I can't remember. I think he has. Uh, uh I don't think so. But uh he, he looked pretty pretty decent last year from the highlights we watched, I think. And you know, I, I think he's just He's due. Yeah. And, he, and I like Felix a lot. So he had a top 10 here last year at Portland. Um, He finished on the podium at Detroit this year. It's okay. His, there we his go. lone podium so far. He finished fourth at Iowa. Um, and he had a lot of car Iowa problems. Race. Yeah. He's kind of had some bad luck, I feel like, this year. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, we need to get him some momentum, get him in a in a good ride next year because I think IndyCar is better if he sticks around. So I would I would love to see him on the podium again. That would be that would be yeah. good to see. And who? What about you? Who you want winning this? Well, so sucker? I'm still I'm still letting Colton Herta ride. It's I'm I'm going <laughs> down weeks? with the ship. How many weeks have we done this? Oh man, I don't know. Feels like half the season at this. I point. think so. I think it's probably four or five. Races, I, six. I feel like it's been since like mid Ohio, at least. Probably, we'll yeah. have to we'll have to go back into the archives and and uh, check. But I'm gonna feel very good if he actually pulls it off. So I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm setting myself up for a massive payoff, and one day it will pay off, just like the Powerball will pay off for me at some point. At some, point. I'll keep buying those two dollar <laughs> tickets. It's gonna happen for me. I I just know it. I've got a feeling. I just everything's and, looking up Millhouse or everything's coming up Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> we're get, we're getting there eventually. But um my other prediction for for this weekend um I see Graham Rahal on the podium. That's that's my pick. They they were Rahal Letterman Lanigan was fast here last year. Um Christian Lundgaard was competitive. Um Graham finished 5th here last year, so um a little bit of a, a history of some good performances here. Graham Hall obviously is coming off the last road course being the guy to beat. And once again, as as we've talked about, Scott Dixon being Scott Dixon is the only thing between Graham Ray Hall and a win this year. So um I think he has another competitive weekend. And also if Colton Herta can't win this week, I would like to see Graham get a win. So um, yeah, I'd yeah. like to see Graham get a win at some point or a podium. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so those will be the guys I'm rooting for. And like you, I also will be rooting for Scott Dixon too to try and get this thing to, to Laguna Seca because that would be a lot of fun if you were able to do that. So, yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page there. You know, seeing Scott come up big. Yeah. At a time when he needs to most. Yeah. Well, and it, I, I've always like hated dominant drivers and dominant teams and that's across sports like like the golden i feel like i've talked about this before like i'm not a big basketball guy but like golden state warriors when they when steph curry came up and you know it was like new that they were a competitive team like that was kind of cool and exciting but then they won what like four finals in like five years and it was like all right this is getting old yeah, especially if it's not your team. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Same with like San Francisco Giants or, you know, the the Patriots. I mean, no one likes the Patriots, but it's weird, though, because Scott Dixon somehow avoids that. Like, I don't feel that way yeah. about Scott Dixon for whatever reason. It always so, seems like he earns it. So, yeah. And it's not like I can tell he does. He I definitely does. Well, it's not like Alex Pillow is the most likable guy in the world, especially right now. So, no, no, he's burning, burning some bridges. Um, yeah, we're we're just a couple of haters. <laughs> well, hey, you paint yourself into a corner, like <laughs> you didn't like. He didn't give us an option. Yeah. Um, that's how it feels, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. So, cool. Well, that's all I've got. All right. Well. Thank you so much for listening to the 16th Street Scanner. That's AJ. I'm Tyler. 
if you want to reach out to us, feel free to hit us at 16streetpod at gmail.com. That's 16streetpod at gmail. If you want to shoot us a DM or tweet at us or interact with us on Twitter at all, just follow us at 16streetpod. If you like our show, please leave a review. Uh, we will read every single one of them. If you like us even more, subscribe. That's the best way you can support us. And uh, shout out to Penny Wishes for our intro and outro music. Those guys are the best. Bye. Three, two, one. Turn to go! Here they come! Coming to the finish line! Bob Jenkins, who's gonna win it?